Hey guys, it's Chad from the Teach Better team, and I am absolutely thrilled to be building a grid live today, and we are going to be doing this all week. Today is December 27th, Monday, and I am here with Sandra Weir um, from Canada. Um, she's a sixth, fifth and sixth grade science teacher, and we're going to be building a grid live right now. So let's go. Hey, how is it going, Sandra? How are you doing this morning? It is going really well. You know what? I watched the video intro chat and I'm like, uh-oh, I'm on daily drop-in this morning. <laughs> so, like, That's right. Super this exciting. Is absolutely yeah. daily drop-in takeover. Yeah. Now, I mean, you know that everyone is used to seeing Ray's wonderful face here. I'm sorry, but you're going to have to deal with me for the next couple days. But don't worry. Ray and I are going to be doing this series all week, and we're super, super excited. I see Brianne Fennell's already saying hi. If you guys are coming in, just make sure in the comments you say hello and good morning. I hope everyone had a wonderful holiday. Sandra, how was your holiday? It was great. It was really good. Nice and quiet. Very, you know, very yeah. sort of COVID-friendly holiday, but it was good. It was really good. Absolutely. Yeah. So I'm stoked to get into building your grid. Would you give us a quick kind of rundown of your experience in your history with the grid so people know where you're coming from. Just remind them what grade you teach and your situation. I know you. we've worked on a math grid before, but today we're going to be focused on a science grid. So I'd love to just get some context for the audience. Okay, sure. So I am a fifth and sixth grade teacher in Quebec. Um, I'm in an area close to the town and the city of Montreal. Um, I have a, what's called a combined class here. So like my fives and sixes are together in one class. We call them splits and all kinds of different things. But um, what I've been doing this year with the grid is experimenting kind of with doing one grid for both grade levels rather than doing that kind of simultaneous, you know, yeah. you guys work on this and you go there. Lifesaver, total lifesaver in math. So I'm like, I'm super excited about doing the science one. I do teach all subjects. Um, here in uh, Quebec, we have bilingual education for it's either bilingual or French. So I am actually the French and English teacher for, for the kids. So I teach them everything. So this is like wow. my first toe dip into the science world. But um, I've been a grid method classroom in math. This is a this is my third year. And like my first experiment with my first grid I introduced in February um, 2020. So <laughs> right before shutdown. And again, that was like my lifesaver over yeah. um, for online learning. So. That is absolutely fantastic. So something I love about what you just said, and for anyone watching, if you've never done the grid, um, if you teach multiple subjects, I actually usually don't 
really recommend starting the grid in every subject when you're first getting going. I actually love the fact that you kind of honed your skills in math. You kind of got it under your belt. You worked out the kinks because now when you're starting to transition to science, you know how it operates. Your students know how it operates and you're going to have much more success as you expand it, right? So actually that's a really good tip um, for anyone in this process is if you teach multiple subjects, start with one subject, work out the kinks, get it under your belt, get it moving and get in that what I call the groove. And then you can start expanding it to other areas. There's no pressure to do it all classes, all day, every day, like it's okay. A lot of times people get overwhelmed because they start doing those somersaults in their head, right? Um, um, but it's really, really important that you kind of take it, work out the kinks and then expand it, which I think is exactly what you did. Another really awesome thing that I wanna just highlight because it's extra awesome in my head is that you're teaching multiple grades with a single grid. So if your standards are progressive in terms of building on content knowledge, it's really, really easy to make one grid for multi-level classrooms if you have them. So that's a really unique situation, Sandra, I think you have, but I think it's really cool that you're utilizing it in that way. Yeah. So before I pull up our grid, could you give me a little bit of a heads up on the topic and the unit that you want to discuss today? And then we'll pull it up and we will get to work here. Mm -hmm. Okay, so we are working on the top, the topic that we're working on is actually for the fifth graders, that topic would be um, like defining and uh, describing different, uh, different natural phenomena. So like volcanoes and hurricanes, tornadoes, that kind of thing. Okay. And then you get to sixth grade, and the kids have to compare and contrast them. So like the different damage you can have from each wow. one and what causes each one and that kind of thing. So that worked out super well for me yes. when I was picking a standard. I'm like, yeah, this one will work. <laughs> we got different, literally you know, DOK like levels. And yeah, they literally used like the progressive DOK taxonomy um, when they were writing the standards apparently, which is super nice for this model specifically. Um, so, once again, this is a dual grade level grid, fifth and sixth grade on natural phenomenon in science. So we're going to start working through this process on our grid development template, which is what the document that is that I'm going to bring up right here. And I hope everyone can see it. Um, and as you can see, the topic is Earth's natural phenomenon. And the standards chosen for the grid are that um, students will be able to compare and contrast the impact of certain natural phenomenon on environments and on the well-being of individuals. So that's the standard for the sixth grade, right? Yeah, that's right. So just for consistency, we may want to add the fifth grade standard in okay. there. It's not necessary for us to do right now, mm -hmm. but I also am noticing that you said you're not, you're kind of identifying that as a level three DOK three, um, standard. Right. Um, so uh could you talk through how you arrived at that just for the audience sure well i mean the compare and contrast was kind of a giveaway for me right when you're looking at at dok and actually when you look at this planner compare and contrast is right in it so i was really excited to see that um also i'm figuring that if the kids don't you know they have to be able to define the phenomena um, show what they are or apply their knowledge about them in order to mm -hmm. compare and contrast. So like we, we kind of level up that way. 
And uh, and again, I think it it was a good this was a good opportunity to kind of take something that the fifth graders needed to know that the sixth graders quote unquote should know and then add that extra spin to it for yeah. So a huge benefit to this is that for those sixth graders who might need some of that lower level content or that identification or definition of what these things are, if they don't remember, you got that covered, right? Um, so you can easily do either a pre-assessment or a start them at different places if you would, you would need to. So I think that's really cool. And it's a huge benefit here. Um, so I actually completely agree that the comparative analysis is always going to be kind of hitting that level three, um, so that is going to be the minimal level we want every single sixth grader to get to on your grid, correct? Right. Um, so that is at the standard level. So this is something I just want to highlight really quick because a lot of times if teachers are just starting the grid, they go, every student has to finish the whole grid no matter what. And then we get into these things where, well, it depends, right? Like that's a really loaded statement. If the standard is written at a DOK level, four or a higher level, maybe every kid needs to get to level four or potentially level um, five to extend beyond. However, if the standard's written at a DOK level three, your minimum requirement for every student needs to be level three at standard. Some teachers will measure one deviation above standard for extended knowledge um, um, for their purposes. But another note for the grid that we're talking about here is if your sixth graders are just being asked to identify and define, in theory, the minimum level for a, a fifth grader, I'm sorry, would be finishing level one because that's the level of that standard for their grade. So um, I, I just wanted to kind of hone in on that. A lot of times we talk about you know, identifying the level of the standard. Now, one thing I want to note is traditionally we've used Webb's depth of knowledge, but I've also had teachers use Bloom's. I've had teachers use the five E's to develop their standards, especially uh, their targets, especially in science, um, even, um, you know, other taxonomies that, they're, that they're, they're comfortable with. But we're going to be talking in um, DOK here. I just want to kind of give that little um, note as traditionally that's what we use. Um, now, um, let's take a look now that we have our standard um, and let's start breaking down our targets. So what are the objectives for the students working up to and possibly beyond this standard? So it looks like you've already started some of this work, which is absolutely fantastic, Sandra. Um, would you like to read your first target for us? Sure. So my first target is I can define certain natural phenomena and they gave examples like they give examples in our standards. So I wanted to make sure that I include those because, yeah. you know, they're probably need to know. And uh, and so that is the that's the fifth grade standard. Right. Because we go cycles. So like you start in fifth grade and you work up. It spirals up as you exactly. Go exactly. Yeah. So uh, so that's my first target. Um, and I thought it were, it fit in perfectly because define and recall is right there. So it was a bit of a no brainer for me to just yeah, nice and easy. Yeah. yeah. So I, I really like your first target. And, and one thing I like is that you, you focused it on the language of the standard. So that's actually one of the reasons I think the fifth grade standard being written above, we don't need to put it there now, but just mm -hmm. for reference, I would like to put the fifth grade standard above and here's why. One of the most common things that can occur when we're making a grid is we break down the standard too much. Does that make sense? Yeah. So if I hear, um, I can identify and define natural phenomenon. If I'm a science teacher, I might know everything there is to know about natural phenomenon. 
I might know a ton about natural phenomenon. So I can easily get into the weeds really like real quick and start listing and identifying and defining every term, every vocabulary that has anything to do with natural phenomenon. And I see this in grids sometimes. So instead of having a list of 10 or 12 vocabulary words or eight to 10 vocabulary words, they'll have a list of 50 vocabulary words because they're giving you every piece of vocabulary that has anything to do with erosion, lightning, tornadoes. <laughs> when the, If we look at the standard, that fifth grade standard is probably just saying, do I know what erosion means? Do I know what lightning is? Do I know what a tornado is? Can I define and identify it in a category, right? So like, right. Like we need to make sure that we're not losing sight, I call it, of the big picture. Mm -hmm. So I actually think that's a really well articulated target. It's not too broad and it's still focused on the big picture, which is those examples that are specifically stated in the standard. So I like that we're keeping the focus, but I think this is a good note for anyone doing this work, whether you're in science or any other subject, we don't want to lose focus by getting so much into the nuts and bolts, especially at DOK level one, that the students like losing the big picture, right? right. Because I've even had students and you, you can tell me, uh, I know I've done this, where I break it down too much. I break down the standards so much that they get stuck at level one on stuff they don't really need to meet the standard, right? Right. <laughs> yeah. So we, we don't want to create roadblocks unnecessarily. So I, I think you did a great job. Um, okay. Why don't we look at your DOK level two target, your level two target? Sure. Now my level two target, what I did was I took, um, we didn't, this is not actually part of our standards at all. So I did a little gap, you know, bridging of a gap. Mm -hmm. And they also have to like using lab techniques is this, you know, is one of our standards, but it's very yeah, broad. It's like we, you know, the student will use lab techniques to explore various topics. So I figure, okay, well, <laughs> there's a good place to plug there that right in there for the principal, right? And just show that it's there. So. Right. Yeah. And, and so I, I actually love this um, target. I have some suggestions we might be able to, sure. to clarify a little bit. But when we talk about when, when we um, talk about uh, lab experiences and things like that, mm -hmm. those are what I consider spiraling or year long focuses. Right. OK. You're not just going to have students do lab techniques in this unit. No. Right. Exactly. Right. So I would absolutely mention that it's a substandard or a covered standard of this, but mm -hmm. they're not necessarily going to master every lab technique um, known to, to science, um, <laughs> right? So one thing I would also focus on is it says, I can demonstrate for, for, um, certain natural phenomenon. I would also, um, and you can tell me if you think this is going outside the standard, yeah. but I think saying, um, explaining um, or um, explaining the cause of or summarizing the cause of uh, natural phenomenon, something like that. Okay. So at level two, we can really got, get into that cause and effect. Yeah. So I, so explaining some aspect of the natural phenomenon could be another objective. So we can either keep this, hmm. right? Right. We can either keep this or we could add another objective for this level that says, I can explain how natural phenomenon occur, example, erosion, if that's the focus of the standard. And I'm, I'm not looking at it directly right now, but um, um, so I'll cater yeah. to your expertise. But does that make okay. sense? Yeah, no, that makes good sense. 
So, so now the lab work and those lab techniques are driving towards causal explanation of the mm -hmm. phenomenon, right. not just doing the techniques because the standard says it. Yeah. So now, um, so I would actually keep the lab technique stuff in there. Okay. I can demonstrate, um, like, um, or I can use uh, lab techniques to uh, explain how natural phenomena occur or demonstrate certain natural phenomena. That's fine too. Okay. But yeah. for level two, I think it's really, really important that we get into that cause and effect, that explanation of why or how. Mm -hmm. And a good rule of thumb, and this is more like the verbs I'm going to use are more social studies-ish, but I think they apply across the board. When we think about level one, I think of who, what, when, where, right? Like, it's just like, who wants to be a millionaire identification type questions? What year did this happen? Who signed it? What, um, what did you notice? Did it go up? Did it go down? What is an atom? What is, you know, like, what is a hurricane? Like those types of things. When we get to level two, the why and the how become the important part, right? So a student being able to think and explain how or why or summarize how or why something happens or the cause one thing has a, on another thing in these systems that we're discussing, that actually, um, that's really needs to be the focus because by the end of level two, something I often say as a quick kind of reminder is the student should be able to tell you who, what, when, where, why, and how. Because when they get to level three and four, they need to be doing stuff with that information. Mm -hmm. We're no longer kind of covering new stuff um, on level three and four. We're digging deeper with the stuff that we have. So um, I, I feel really good about um, um, where we're at um, yeah. okay, with, 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 the, with, with this right now. Mm -hmm. So let's take, do you want to go ahead and read number three? Sure. So number three is it fit right in. It was like, I can compare and contrast the impact of certain natural phenomena on the environment or on the well-being of individuals. So that's, you know, uh, it's, it's a long way of saying, take, you know, what's the difference between the impact of a hurricane and an earthquake, for example, you know? Yeah. I like that a lot. Yeah. Um, I can compare and contrast the impact of certain natural phenomena on the environment or the well-being of individuals. So now we're extending yeah. the the knowledge we have and how it compares and contrasts with its impact on environments its mm -hmm. impact on people as well as those impacts in comparison to one another so right. there's tons of an analysis going on right here mm -hmm. right um tons of probably data that they're going to have to be looking through um all of those things i think are absolutely um spot on um okay. if you if you ask me uh, <laughs> <laughs> so I think that's that's really good. Um, I do think that once again we're actually um, so this is definitely hitting that standard, and this is one thing I love about um, uh, your grid, your development right here, is that your level of standard, your objective sounds just like the standard, um, right. and that should be the case, right? When you get to that objective that is measuring the standard. You should see some of the same words. You should sound very, very similar. And that's a good kind of litmus test. That's a good like dipstick test. If you're making a grid and you're looking at what is the level of the standard and you say it's a DOK level two, or it's a DOK level three, when you are writing that target, okay, um, for that level, 
you need to make sure that that target is easy, like measuring what you said it was going to measure. I think this does very, very well. Um, so, I, so I think that is good. Um, now I see that your level four is still left blank. So do we want to do some brainstorming around some of our level four stuff? Do you have any ideas or do you just want to kind of talk it out? I I'd like to talk it out with you, which is one, you know, one of the reasons I left it blank because I think, um, like, it sounds like there's a lot of room for some really cool stuff. I just, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm not sure what the cool, like, I mean, you could like create and design. I thought of, you know, the, the traditional tornado in a bottle, right. Have the kids create, uh, but I don't know if that's really creating because that's, this is correct. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So this is a very common kind of quick go-to thing where you find that thing that you know connects. Like if I want them to learn about volcanoes, I want them to just make a paper mache volcano. Yeah. It's not necessarily, first of all, it can create misconceptions because it's not the, how the mechanism of the volcano <laughs> works. It's, this is my universal example of like um, things that people think are DOK level four activities, right? Yeah is like the paper mache volcano. Well, the student doesn't necessarily have to create anything. They're just following steps or looking at a picture and labeling a a physical model. That's Mm -hmm. only DOK level two at best or DOK level one, which is more likely. Um, So when we're thinking about this, they need to be creating new ideas from existing information. So if we think about where the student is mentally right now, and what they know and what they can do with that information. We know that they know what the phenomenon are. They can demonstrate um, and explain how natural phenomena occur and can compare and contrast the impact of certain natural phenomena on the environment. Now, um, as I'm reviewing this, um, I'm actually thinking um, at level two, we may also want to mention explain or summarize the impact phenomenon can have um, because that is a missing component here. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think in level one or level two, we need to enter that piece of information in some component because we're talking about the impacts when we we haven't defined what those are. We're just comparatively analyzing things that we haven't defined yet. So I'm just kind of talking through my own thought process here. So um, I feel better about that now yeah, in my head. Good. Uh, does that make sense to you? Yeah, it does actually. And then you've got that kind of piece because otherwise we're expecting something from the kids. Like they haven't, they haven't done that little, that step, you know, we're expecting them to go from step one to correct. Jump so you, up to something else. So you had suggested, and I don't know if you actually suggested this, but you were thinking around like tornado in a bottle, mm-hmm. like recreate the phenomenon with, but I think like pinning them to a tornado in a bottle is is dangerous because I can I can replicate a tornado in a bottle without knowing anything Mm -hmm. about tornadoes right like (laughs) I can I can essentially go look I followed the directions and it happened give me my grade I know things Um, when 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 we have to think about what 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 that is representative of one of the um, in Ohio, this is a common thing is we focus on engineering when we get to this level. Mm. We focus on um, creative design and things like that. So something you might be able to do is have the students pick a natural phenomenon and create an architectural structure that can survive a natural phenomenon or would be or, or reduce the impact of a natural phenomenon. Okay. So this is directly going to, tie into the standard of the impact 
on the environment and well-being of individuals. So the question we can ask students is, how can we help the environment and individuals against these natural phenomena? Um, so I can design or engineer solutions or preventative measures that reduce the impact of natural phenomenon on the environment or individuals. So what, a couple of things I want you to notice about that statement that I just made is it's very broad. Would you agree? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, no, but I love this because, like I said, the tornado in a bottle was like, yeah, they're making something, but they're not mm -hmm. creating it. They can look that yes. up. They can Google it and figure out how to do it. Right? Correct. I can, yeah, this. I can make a chocolate chip cookie following a recipe. That, that right. doesn't mean I can make a better chocolate chip cookie by modifying mm -hmm. preparing the recipe. Or it doesn't mean I can create my own recipe from the original recipe based on my knowledge of what chocolate chip cookies are, right? right. So like, we can take the creative, like just because a student's making something doesn't automatically go DOK level four. It depends what the thinking is behind the making, right? Um, and another example is like, I can make a Lego castle without knowing anything about the medieval class system, right? Mm -hmm. But that might be a project a teacher does. If there's no explanation around it, um, there's no real meat on that bone. So this is actually a really good conversation, I think, also about when we're looking at what the students are doing in that type of project, which is we're going to get to that when we start talking about the grid. But when I think about a student designing the structure, it's not about the structure itself. It's not even about the, the, the PowerPoint or whatever. It's about the thinking that goes in and the questions they're answering around that design. Okay. So I could have a student go, look, I put some string, or I put some, not string, I put some scaffolds and I put some slinkies underneath a, a house and now it's now it is uh, earthquake proof well i can just shove some stuff under a house and say it's now earthquake proof and, and check the box that but that is much different than going i know how earthquakes move the ground mm -hmm. here is a structure that i've created that negates that force by opposing it in this way allowing the structure to stay sound and not fall or windows to like windows will not break or whatever that ends up being right i'm getting into the rabbit hole here but um now we're getting into the do you actually understand the forces behind these natural phenomenon the impacts um and all of those other so we need to make sure the questions around this target are focused on that standard and not did you build something or not right, right. like that's just something I want everyone to put in the back of their minds as we're mm -hmm. talking through this, because I think that's really, really, really important. Um, okay. I think that's really, really important. Um, Alex had a really good point. He said a tornado ball is more of a learning-based project mm -hmm. or a demonstration, which I totally agree, rather than a project based on learning. You have to focus on the learning, yeah. not the activity, which I think you would agree with all mm -hmm. that. Um, so um level five um this could be interesting yeah. so something i talked about with level five and, and, and level five is something that catches a lot of teachers kind of off guard they get stuck here because it's like not a dok level and kids have already mastered the standard and they want them to be engaged in the process mm -hmm. so there needs to be value to the work right right so when we get to level five, there's two options that I, I, I strongly suggest. Extending level four to reality can be one option. So something we could do is level four is designing, explaining, defending your idea 
for a structure. Maybe they designed blueprints and level five could be you make it. <laughs> oh, wow. Oh, yeah. So, so, so that's one thing we could do if that's what we're thinking. Um, but another thing we can do is uh, I used to have create your own project, uh, sort of an open template on level five where they would pick a topic from the work that we had done. They would pick a topic from the work that we had done and make their own project that I would have to sign off on. But in this specific example, I do think them physically creating the thing that they designed could be a great extension yeah. to the work um, using household items or what have you. You can you kind of um, so I can create, um, build and design uh, and build a prototype of my structure. Um, so I would also put yeah. some clarifiers in that level five and okay. say uh, I would say that can reduce the impact of natural phenomenon. So when we create targets, this is really important and I'm saying this for everybody watching. When we create targets, they need to be measurable individually and they need to be specific enough to be measured. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. So if we just say, I can build the prototype is my target for level five, there's no clarification of what the prototype is actually being measured on. Does that right. make sense? Mm -hmm. However, I can build a prototype of my structure that can withstand or reduce. So now there's clarifiers. Can it withstand or reduce? You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, absolutely. Yeah, it's, yeah, I know exactly what you mean because it's like then there it has meaning. Like rather than just saying I'm going to build it, right, and it's going to look right. good, they're saying I'm going from my design, which comes from my knowledge, which you know. Absolutely. So, yeah. So another thing, um, which I'm just thinking through this on level four, we could also say, I can defend the materials, resources and design of a structure to combat the impact yeah. of certain natural phenomenon on the environment or individuals. Now you'll notice something I keep doing is I keep on stealing language from the standard, right? Yeah, right. Like always going back to that well over mm -hmm. and over and over again. The reason I'm doing that, and I hope you're, I, and I think you're with me on this. Mm -hmm. The reason I keep doing that is because I don't want to get, I don't want to stray from the focus, right. right? I need to keep going back to that standard and go, what am I focused on? What am I measuring? Because mm -hmm. even though we're just at the target level, I even feel myself getting excited about the project. Yeah. I feel myself getting super excited about the activities I'm going to have them do. And that's how, that's how teachers think, right? Mm -hmm. We get so excited about the idea of like planning the lesson and the experience of the learner, which I love. And we all get excited mm -hmm. about, but sometimes if we don't take the time to just calm ourselves down yeah. and focus on the focus, which is that standard in those objectives, once we have that, when we go to our next step, which is gonna be our mastery questions and designing our learning opportunities, now we can start to get excited and really do the work that we're, we love doing, which is creating meaningful learning for students, right? Mm -hmm. But if this work, the stuff we're doing when we develop our targets isn't done well, the foundation of our house, funny enough, is not going to be stable. It's not gonna be able to survive um, the impact of the phenomenon of student <laughs> of the student learning because it's not going to be focused <laughs> enough, right? I love that I just worked that in there. That I was know. fantastic. Very that clever. Was um, so 
I feel good about our targets. How are you feeling looking at the work we just did? Yeah, I'm feeling really good about them. See, now the four and five, I'm glad I left that. And we, you know, we talked yeah, through, like, you was... gave me those ideas because now it makes, now it makes sense because level five to kids tend to get into your, okay, independent project, give me a proposal, which I've done before. They yeah. tend to get kind of bogged down and, oh, they just want to do research because research. Oh, is, they just want to check the box. Yeah. Literally. They want to check yeah. the box and research is to them. You Google it, you figure out how to say it a different way. You put it in there. And I, I kept keep explaining to them. That's not what a level five, that's not what level five is, but this defines it a lot better for them in this particular grid. So I like that. So Alex had a question and I want to address it and said, does level four's target need to clarify that it is designing and that the building and prototype will be level mm. five? So Alex, um, I, I actually don't think it needs additional clarification because the language used in the objective for level four is that they can design the structure, not that they can build and create the physical structure. Um, so because it is focused on the design only, um, I think we are okay. I do think that I can defend the materials and design of the structure that I propose or something right. like that to combat the impact of natural, like once again, I'm gonna keep on going back to the well. Yeah. <laughs> Just I'm lazy about typing the end, but that's okay, I'm gonna put that in here. So here's a nice thing we're doing with these objectives as well. You'll notice in level four, there's two different targets, which means if I'm creating a rubric for a project that I'm developing, guess what's gonna go in that rubric? The fact that they can, right? The fact that yeah. they can design it, check. Is it designed effect to effectively Right. Right. Yeah. Um, that can withstand this. Right. But also that they can defend the, the design against expertise. So you can go, why did you choose this versus that? Them being able to explain and defend that is very, very important. Mm -hmm. um, and I also think shows further knowledge of the phenomenon that we're trying. So Alex, that's kind of my um, clarification needed for level four. Um, Holly Stewart also said, while planning grids, it's so important to be intentional and purposeful. Absolutely. So something I hope that you guys are noticing is that Sandra and I just took a really long time, actually about 30 minutes yeah. for this part. Now, I'm not saying you have to spend 30 minutes every single time, but it's really important that we are happy with this. Because if we are not happy, if these are not well-designed, everything we're building onto next is not going to be as stable or focused as we need it to. Mm -hmm. So I, um, a big red flag I often see is when a teacher that is first starting the grid goes, cool, here's a grid. I'm gonna use it like a calendar and I'm just gonna dump all my lessons directly into the grid where I think they fit based on DOK. So they're not really analyzing like the start of the process, which is, do I know where I'm headed, right? And so it becomes almost like a, a dumping ground for stuff they're already doing, which it might very well end up being in the end. It might align perfectly and beautifully, but it might not too. So this is the work. This is the nuts and bolts. And it's not always super fun. I'm a nerd and I like it, but, um, but this is the work that's going to make sure every other aspect of the grid is solid, aligned and doing what we want it to, which is growing knowledge and increasing mastery of our learners. So I'm gonna scroll down to our next uh, component here, Sandra, is that okay? Mm -hmm. 
So now we're getting into our mastery questions. So in case you're unfamiliar with this, this is, this is a teacher-centered exercise more than a student-centered exercise. And this is not something that ends up on the grid. However, these are the question items that we're going to be using for do nows and quick checks and assessing mastery of the objectives that we just came up with. So I'm not going to have Sandra redo all of this because we have to, we have probably have to uh, add the new standards or the targets that we, mm -hmm. um, so one thing I would have you do Sandra is add those targets and update them in the, the left-hand column here. I'm not gonna grade it, so it's okay, okay. like if we just use it as reference. Yeah. Um, and I'm actually, because of time, I don't really wanna go through like every single one of these questions. Um, um, but when you're going through this, what you would do is you would look at your objectives that we just came up with and you'd say, what questions does a student need to be able to answer to prove mastery or competency of the target that we developed, right? What do they have to be able to answer or prove um, to, for me to check the box and go, you understand this? That's really what we're doing. A lot of times teachers will skip this step or they'll kind of go, yeah, I got it, it's fine. I'll grab the quiz from the back of the book or chapter review or whatever that is. And I would caution anyone that's kind of in that mode at least make sure you're thinking through this because if you create what I call a bank of questions, which is essentially what this is, mm -hmm. you now have those spiraling questions that you can ask students verbally, you can use on quick checks, you can use on exit slips, and you literally can just recycle these questions over and over again to measure what you need to measure in your grid. So for me, this is a huge help for teachers um, and it prevents the idea of, I'm gonna grab this quiz off of Google or uh, the, the textbook and hope it aligns to what I taught, right? Um, versus I know it aligns because I designed it that way. I, yeah. I know what I'm measuring. So let's go through the first one okay. and then we'll kind of move on after that. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. All right, do you wanna go through that? And then let me um, realign this for you so it looks a little better. Okay. Can you see that okay? Yeah, I can see that just fine. So um, the first one was defining, I can define natural phenomena. So that's the that's our fifth grade, where our fifth grade mm -hmm. standard is. But, uh, but again, our sixth graders have had a couple of COVID years. So even though it's supposed to be something that they've sure. mastered, you know, supposed to is, is kind of a weird term right now and, and ever actually. So um, the questions are, what are weathering and erosion? Because of course, yeah, it's funny you were talking about splitting hairs because then I was looking at erosion and, and defining erosion is, is, is you know, there are like many different kinds, four, six. So I put weathering in there just to kind of make sure that they knew the difference. Mm -hmm. um, what causes lightning? Because they all know kind of what lightning is, but so I put what causes it. Uh, what are hurricanes and tornadoes? What causes a volcano to erupt? Because again, kids are fascinated with volcanoes. They know what they are. But like you said about the, the baking soda and vinegar volcano, that's not really how a volcano works. Like how does a volcano work? How does that pressure build mm -hmm. up and all those different things? And then what causes an earthquake? So I don't know if those are actually define and recall questions now. That's right? the discussion I wanted to yeah. have. I'm so, you're taking us... You were like synced up. I yeah. love this. Yeah, this is good. So we can actually fix this pretty easily. Um, so what causes a volcano to erupt and identifying the processes that cause a volcano eruption 
are, are two different levels of understanding. Mm-hmm. Being able to explain how a volcano erupts is a different level than being able to go magma heats, it rises, and, and, and this. But being able to explain why those things happen is mm-hmm. the extended level. So I think right. what causes a volcano to erupt is a loaded kind of, there, there's a lot on that bone. So I think we need to just kind of like focus the question a little bit more if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So I can identify and define the processes that cause a volcano to erupt. Does okay. that make sense? Yeah. Or I can identify or I can define the processes that an earthquake um, that causes an earthquake. Because now they're just identifying the steps, basically, right? They're just identifying like the components of an eruption yeah. versus the explanation of why or how those things happen. Mm-hmm. So, so this is actually a really great example of making sure we know what we're asking our students, right? Yeah. Like, and I love, and I thank you so much, by the way, I haven't thanked you yet. And this is absolutely oh. amazing for everyone who gets to watch it. Um, us going through this brainstorming and this yeah. process, because um, this is a scary process and you're putting it out there for the world. So yeah, this is it is. <laughs> it is. I mean, I was sweating by myself. <laughs> I should have phoned you last Thursday. <laughs> okay. I've had to calm. We have a we have a great group of guests this whole week, and I've had to, I've had several phone calls of just like it's okay. We're gonna walk through it. Yeah. It's all it's all good. Um, but um, I I feel better about that. Um. What are the processes which cause a cause? Because yeah. now that's an identification question. Mm-hmm. It's not a explanatory question or right. a summarization question. Um, yeah. So I, I, I really, really like that. Um, and I think we can kind of do the same thing with some of those other um, other components, right? Yeah. right. Um, but even identifying and defining the components of lightning, like what, because you, you said students know what lightning is, mm-hmm. but do they? Like if if they know if they look at lightning, it's lightning, right? Mm -hmm. But do they know the components of what lightning, like, do they actually understand that that's electricity going from one place to the next due to, like, you know what I mean? Like, do they know it's electricity? I I don't know. Do they know it's electrically charged particles? I don't know. Um, So, so like, that's the kind of minutia that I think we need to get to at this level of, When we say identify the components of lightning, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, knowing it's because they might also think, oh, a light, lightning's, you know, just, uh, I, I don't even know what they would, what sort of, you know, <laughs> misconceptions they could have. Yeah. But we need to be careful in science of not assuming too much. Um, while being careful, we don't get in so far deep that we don't confuse. Mm-hmm. Does, does those adjustments make sense? Yeah, I heard it as I said it, Chad. Like as I was saying it, I'm like, no, maybe they don't know, right? But so these are so this is part of the work I think that makes this methodology so powerful because you thinking through this is going to make you ask better, um, better questions to your students, right? It's going to make your assessments better. It's going to make all those components better. Mm-hmm. Holly said it's scary to see some of the activities that have been used in the past that don't actually support the learning that you want for your students. Absolutely. Yeah. So I'm actually going to kind of fast forward a bit because we're running out of time, you know, mm-hmm. already, um, which I could sit here all day and talk grids with you, yeah, Sandra. Yeah. I just need, <laughs> I just want you to know that. Um, 
So once you have your questions, we really need to get into developing the learning opportunities. And this is probably the part that most people are familiar with. This is literally the grid, right? right? This is the thing that most people are like, oh, this is where all that stuff goes, right? Um, so what I'd like to do is start putting our targets in, if we could, just for reference, okay. could we copy and paste those, yep. Sandra? That would be fantastic. So we're gonna put those targets that we developed, we're gonna put those in each of those level gray boxes. And I hope you notice, I hope you notice that this wasn't just let's open up the grid and dump everything in there, right? Uh, it's really important that we go through this process and think through this process. You don't need to change the colors or anything. We can just work. Okay. We can we can format later. Okay. They know it's a work in progress. <laughs> they know. Okay. <laughs> so as you're doing that, I'm just going to kind of talk through some of the processes I suggest when first starting. Okay. So you'll notice that Sandra is dumping in her targets that we just developed um, and we're just getting stuff into the grid right now. Mm -hmm. When you start working on a grid, and I was guilty of this uh, myself, I had to have everything perfect every step of the way. And it made my work time so much longer than it had to be. Eventually I realized if I get my ideas on the paper or on the page or on the document, it made the work go faster. So instead of making sure I have every piece component and link that I want to have on my grid, um, I don't need to do necessarily all of that all at the same time. So once I get my targets, I can start actually doing what I call structuring the skeleton of our grid. Um, and oftentimes what I will suggest is that get the ideas of the types of things you want to do. So I bet you any money, and, uh, and Sandra, you can tell me if I'm wrong, you already have ideas of the stuff you're going to do with your students in this grid, right? Yeah. You, you probably have a lab that you're thinking of mm -hmm. or multiple labs. You probably have a couple of vocabulary activities or notes that you might have already developed and things like that. So one of the things that will reduce the overwhelm for a teacher when they're starting their grid is put the structure in. So instead of making sure you have everything possible in here, I would like Sandra to just put in things like vocabulary card activity, um, okay. volcano lab, like really generic terms. I'd like mm -hmm. you to kind of go through the grid and just put placeholders in there okay. at the levels you think um, that think they're going to be in. Now, this will potentially drastically change from right now to when we finish the grid. But I'm going to tell you right now, I want you to watch as Sandra puts these like just ideas in here. I want you to mentally feel how much easier it's going to seem when we go through the levels once this structure is already put into place. Okay. So there, can you guys all see level one now? Yes. Okay. Yes. Yes. So yeah, that would be so I level actually... one. Okay. So then usually I'll have them, I'll have the kids do like they have, um, I'll have them do like a blue kit activity, okay, for vocabulary. Cool. Perfect. Because then it's getting stuff on the page. Getting just... stuff on the page. Okay. No explanation. All right. Good. We're gonna go through that. I wanna I wanna get your ideas on the page so that yeah. we can get dig in and, and start analyzing, reviewing, and summarizing. Right? Okay. Okay. And then I might do like say a gallery walk. Like there's a some kind of an activity where they get sure out like a station activity. Station Very activity. cool. Love yeah. it. 
Okay. And then, um, I don't know, the third one might And it's be... okay. You yeah. can have open spaces at this point. So this okay. is a really beautiful moment, Sandra. Mm -hmm. I love okay. it. I don't need you to fill every box. Yeah. What I want you to do is go, I have two activities. I already know we're okay. going to be on level one. So they're on level one. So uh, now if you're done with the stuff that's already locked and loaded, let's go to level two or level three. Just plug in what you can so that we have some sort of semblance of a flow so that way we can either add activities, change boxes, reduce, you know what I mean? Like we can do yeah. all of those things. Okay. So like I have a few, a few labs that I want to use. So like there's an erosion sure. lab, there's a volcano lab. Um, there is um, like, there's a hurricane versus tornado one. So, um, you know, those are, sorry. No, no problem at all. Tornado. So I also want you to understand everyone mm -hmm. watching this, that this is a process, right? This isn't going to be perfect. The first time you put things on the page, you'll see Sandra and I just argued for 20 minutes about learning targets <laughs> and which verb to use. Okay. Uh, like we didn't argue. It was amicable. However, it's really important for you to understand that like, it's okay that it, this is a messy process. It's not going to be perfect. And it, and Sandra's made grids before. I've obviously made grids before as well. But if this is your first time, just get things on the page and then we can reflect and refine and improve as we go. And we can measure how those things are aligning to the targets and things that we've developed um, for the work. Because mm -hmm. we have about 11 more minutes in this segment oh, right now. And I'm trying to kind of Fast forward so you can see the picture of the process. So let's really dig in. Do you have any level? Um, so we got some labs on there. Let's see. Do you have any level three? Look, I, so this is the thing I love right here. You'll notice she's like, I don't know. I might put a Venn diagram yeah. right here. That's what needs to be happening in my opinion right now. Mm -hmm. You might go, hey, now here's, here's a note about DOK and Venn diagrams, just so I'm going to get nerdy on us. Okay. okay? A Venn diagram by itself is actually a DOK level two. It's just categorization. Mm -hmm. But if we ask students to defend their placement of items oh, using evidence, yeah. it becomes level three. So the only thing I would suggest is if you're using a Venn diagram or a graphic organizer and you're like, that's level three, compare and contrast, not necessarily. It could be just categorization, which is DOK level two. So defending the reasoning is what makes something a level three and not a level two. So I just want to be clear about that. Mm -hmm. So, and I want to thank Sandra for being willing to just deal with my nerdiness and picking no, about all of these things. I think that's cool too, because it gives you like, then they do, I mean, you call it something like Venn diagram defense, right? And then they do that. They can do a video. They can do a, an actual sure. video of them arguing with their friend, like, you know, defending it to their friend, right. like that kind of thing, which... They, they would they would like that. Like I can find a catchy term that, that goes with that too. And, yeah. And Candace Miller, who's another fantastic science teacher uh, in Ohio, actually, is in her fourth year of building grids. Um, and she said one of the beautiful things about the process is you can easily go back and you can change them. When you run a grid, you can go, that didn't go so well. I'm going to tweak a couple things, right? Or for next year. And actually something, a good practice, and I don't want to get away from this because I want to get some of the grid done for our audience here. Mm -hmm. But what, a good practice is while you're running your first grid or second grid or any grid, I would always print a copy and keep it on my desk. And I would make notes. I would make notes as I was going through the grid. And I would say, never use this activity again. 
fix this link, use different whatever, um, fix worksheet. And I wouldn't do all that work, but I would have it documented somewhere in my aura of understanding so that when I go back, I'm gonna pull out that sheet of paper and I'm gonna go, I need to fix these things. And at the end of each unit, I would make those changes. I would take 30 or 40 minutes maybe, and I would just go and update the grid so that I know when I pull that grid out next year, I've already made those changes, I've already made those updates and it's ready to go. Um, so that's just a fun practice. It's not fun, I guess, but it, it's a practice that can help save you a bunch of time and headache. Because there are going to be times when you're like, I know I have a grid for this, but I don't know how good it was. Uh, uh, and then you start it and you go, oh, no. You know, I remember now that there are all these issues from last year that I didn't fix. So, so that can be a really, really good opportunity. So, Sandra, which level would you like to start with? Now, there's two schools of thought here. Some right. people go, I'm starting at level one. Sweet. Mm -hmm. um, that's fine. Let's start at the beginning. That makes sense. Others have trouble with that. They go, let's start at the standard and then build up to it. So I'm actually okay with either of those concepts. Do you have a preference or a way you normally start this process? Um, honestly, I normally start at level one, but I'm figuring level three was the one I was struggling with the most when I was trying to think it through. So since I have you here, I'd rather do level, you know, level three now and kind of work down if that's okay. Yeah, that's awesome. Okay. Um, okay. So let's talk about some activities that can meet the objective of mm -hmm. comparing and contrasting the impact of certain natural phenomenon on the environment or well-being. So right. we already have a Venn diagram defense. Um, I think you want your students creating a video, which is cool. Um, mm -hmm. it, it, that's kind of what it says. So let's keep that there. Okay. For right now, let's build out the level just like we did the whole grid, okay? Yeah. So let's get some ideas. Now, one thing that I want to be very clear about, the grid is a flexible document. I'm going to say that again. The grid and the template, which I will put in the comments um, um, if anyone wants it. I just put that in the comments if anyone needs it. Um, bit.ly slash grid dev template, all lowercase, is how you get access to this actual, uh, like the blank version of this document if anyone needs it. Um, and one thing I want to uh, be clear about is if, if we only have two things on level three or three things and we don't need that fourth box, we should delete that fourth box and that's okay. There don't need to be four things or five things. You can add boxes, take away boxes as needed. I want to be super duper clear about that because sometimes people will go, Chad, I only have three things, but there's four boxes. Do I need to make another thing? Well, not if you've covered what you need to in the three things. No, you don't. You can make it two boxes if you need to. In Google Docs, which is what we're in, you can merge to make boxes go away. So you highlight both boxes and just merge them, or you can add a, a, a column or a, a, a vertical column and then merge the ones you don't want to add a box in a row. It's a little clunky on Google Docs. It's not my favorite, but we can deal with it. We can, we can make it work. So what are some other activities you, you, you have kind of uh, going on here? Uh, that you can think of? Or do we need to talk through some ideas? Yeah, maybe. I think that that would be helpful. Because I mean, I'm thinking of different, I'm trying to think of creative ways to, you know, compare, do the compare and contrast. So I mean, mm -hmm. I can ask them to make, you know, I can ask them to make a little slide deck, I can ask them to do 
um, you know, like low tech versions of like dueling posters or whatever, you know, like make one, make the sure. other. Um, you could even do like scenario card sorts. Oh. So like uh, maybe you explain the, uh, or you have them watch newscasts of yeah. um, like the results of an event without okay. naming the event. And you go, what event likely caused this and why? So like what evidence is there? Does that make sense? Yeah. So like, if I show a completely flattened, uh, uh, you know, town in Indiana in the United States, uh, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, there's a lot of debris everywhere. Uh, there's no um, recollection of water. There's no cracks in the land or anything like that. Mm -hmm. You could say, what do you think caused this? And why based on the evidence, yeah. you know what I mean? Um, and what evidence do you have to support that claim? Um, so one of the cool things about that is that it's it's directly measuring their ability to compare and contrast the impact only. Yes. So now we're starting at the level of the standard and we're working back to, can you define what you're seeing? Do you know the words to use to describe those things? Mm. Um, so, so, so that could be an activity. Yeah. Um, you know, you could also have them look at different types of shelters. So like, we're going to be having them design something in the next day, right. right? So could they look at existing ideas and say, look at these existing ideas, compare and contrast how they uh, defend against a specific type of uh, disaster? Uh, does that make sense? Like yes. what types of forces do we have to negate or, or, or things like that? So we're sort of priming the pump for that project that we're going to have them do. So mm -hmm. what are the existing things we can do to prevent tornadoes versus hurricanes, not prevent them, but to, to combat the effects or impacts of those on environments or, or, or places. Like right. if you look at hurricanes in like the outer banks, right? Um, like they're trying to literally save the entire existence <laughs> um, by building up land masses and things right. like that. Uh, dunes, uh, man-made dunes and, and green uh, uh, greenery to, 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 to keep the same. I'm getting into the weeds here, literally yeah. and figuratively. But um, like having students think through things like mm -hmm. that. Now you're combating erosion, uh, you're combating uh, weathering, you're combating hurricanes. Yeah. All those things are kind of starting to make sense and connect. And right. um, I think it's important for students to be able to be able to do that. Yeah. So this would also be a good point to keep an assessment of some sort. If you want to use a traditional assessment, I don't know if that's something that you want to do. But if you do, I think we can keep the assessment right kind of where it is, if, if you ask me. Okay. Um, um, I don't think it's, it may not be necessary, but mm -hmm. if you want to do that, um, that would be a good kind of check, I think. Um, okay. Are you ready to do the project? Um, yeah. Uh, um, and that assessment could be sort of a, a gateway into starting that project. Now, would you do that as a conference kind of assessment? Like ask them the questions you that could. you think they, yeah? Okay. So, so um, now we're getting into a whole other thing we don't have time for, but you could absolutely do a graded conference here, a mm -hmm. verbal check of some of those mastery questions that you develop. Can you answer these? Or you could do a traditional sort of tiered assessment, right? Have questions from each of the levels, make sure they have a firm grasp and understanding. 
reassess their understanding. Basically, do you still understand these things to continue learning, right? Mm -hmm. So I think, I think yes, if you want, is my answer okay. to that. But it could also be a more traditional looking assessment if you feel like it. Um, some people um, prefer, you know, graded conferences and other things like that. Okay. And Sandra, I don't, I don't know how to say this, and I'm a little scared, but we are almost completely out of time. And mm. actually, right now, we're officially over time. Um, so I just had so much fun doing this with you today. Um, any final thoughts you have on reflecting on what we've done? No, thank you. This was so, this was so good. Like I'm, I'm excited right now and you know, I love this that. Is great. Oh Anything yeah. you'd it's like really to good. share for uh, the audience we have or anyone thinking about doing grids or, or maybe doing this work? Just like I said that it was, it really changed, it changed my classroom. I mean, kids have been, one of the reasons I wanted to do the science grid with you today is that the kids have been asking if we can do grid in science. <laughs> that means you're doing something right. Yeah, we're doing something right here. So that's that's really good. But it it has really changed a lot of things for me. It's made me kind of get to play the role of the teacher that I wanted to play before I started using grids. Like my frustrations in teaching are like, you know, cut way down because of the grids. So I'm very grateful to you guys. Thank you. So I'm going to give you the last say. If there's someone watching this that's wanted to do grids, they're kind of excited, but they're still scared. What would be the one piece of advice that you would give them after having having done this? Um, just do it. My first one, I just I did it. it. And I also called it a mini. I said, this is a mini grid. And That's somehow, psychologically, like for me, mindset wise, I was like, oh, it's a mini. It's fine. Like, we're going to be fine. And we were fine. And my first grid, if I look at it today, is not not great compared to what I've been doing lately. But at the time, it felt fantastic. And that was that was the main thing. And the kids loved it the buy-in was huge like almost right away so that is fantastic yeah. well sandra i can't thank you enough you are amazing uh, i you. truly appreciate your time um, and your willingness to share this process i know it's not easy kind of putting yourself out there like you have mm -hmm. so like i want i want to let you know if we could get some green hearts in the comments for uh, Sandra and just the amazing work she did with us this morning that would be awesome just show her some love from the teach better uh, community and family. That would be awesome. Just to give everyone a heads up tomorrow, I will be working on a reading grid with the amazing Livia Chan. Then on Wednesday, we'll be doing social studies with Joe Gonzalez. And then Ray's going to be taking over with Karen Evans and math on Thursday. And Friday, we're going to be doing writing with Ray and Marie McCumber. So we have a full week of build a grid takeover of daily drop-in and we're really excited about it. Sandra, thank you again and have a fantastic rest of your holiday break. Thank have an you. amazing day. Thank you, everybody. Chad. Thank you so much.